1: Fuck that oh lady. you keep it in leave it in leave it, leave in. it in welcome back to another episode <laughs> of the dtf podcast it is monday morning 12 38 p.m eastern time the only legitimate time zone fanta and i are both on east coast <laughs> time right now the one and only terence oglesby is not he is now the new uh the new expert for fox sports one on the mountain west conference you had boise state and UNLV on Sunday night. You have Boise State in New Mexico on Wednesday night. Before we get into the Mountain West and before we get into that conference and before we get into the the league as a whole, TO, I got to ask you, Boise is one of those cities that has kind of blown up over the course of the last three years. It's beautiful out there. You're in the Rockies. It's It's Cold. It's cold. It's probably a little bit better if you get there in the summer, but Boise, (laughs) Bozeman, West Yellowstone, like those are the three places where if I wanted to just disappear once I retire... That's, those are the places I'm looking for a house, and that's, that's where I'm trying to go.
2: It's it's amazing. You, you fly <laughs> in, and I, to be honest with you guys, I went through Salt Lake City, too, and the fact that you're pulling in and you see all these beautiful Rocky Mountains and, like, the land is flat until it just explodes in a mountain. Like, it's a pretty unique place. I, I I haven't spent a lot of time. My grandmother, uh, when she was still alive, she lived in Colorado. I think we visited her once, but <laughs> most of the time she was coming to visit us. But it was like – it is an amazing, amazingly beautiful place. And yeah. I thought Salt Lake was pretty unique whenever I flew in. Uh, Boise was right there with it. I mean, a little bit more. It's a city, but it's it's about the, I'm not sure about population, but it reminds me size-wise a little bit of like Chattanooga kind of deal. But just a really cool, really, really cool town uh, and just mountains around it. Like you're pulling up to Extra Mile Arena. And it's like you're surrounded by mountains as you're pulling up. The mountains are just hanging over top of you, almost like what a cool place, really cool place. Did you see? And I can't share bear? it on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. Did you? Did you? One. Did you see the cocaine bear while you were out there?
2: Cocaine bears was in uh, Tennessee, or <laughs> <laughs> it was like in the southeast corner of Tennessee. So cocaine bear is not here. Cocaine not bear. Here. Cocaine. Co- He's a little further in the southeast, but. uh yeah, I couldn't I couldn't share my journey because I'm Twitterless at the moment. You are Twitterless. Um
1: I was uh I forgot to do it because I want about five hours of sleep on four straight nights, but I was gonna intro you as uh CZ Binance instead of Terrence. Thanks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Hey man, let me let me let me give the hackers credit. They're on their A game. They're <laughs> on their A game. They're bringing it, they're in postseason form. Yep. They got me. And here's the thing, like
1: he's trying to tell everybody that like they got him from a text message. Nope. He clicked on. That's what happened. Someone sent him an email. I didn't click on a link. He was like a Nigerian prince is giving away millions of dollars.
2: Let me check this (laughs) thing out. (laughs) Dude, I answered a text message on Thursday after the game at Clemson and it was from a Chicago number. So I'm assuming it's some, some type of production thing. And I answered a text message and they asked if it was somebody. And I was like, "No, wrong number." Next morning, my stuff's gone. So, like, they're bringing their A game. It's a little disappointing to be honest with you. it's been a it was it was awful too because on Saturday it was such a good day of games, and I was stuck in the air watching games, and I would have loved to have been, uh, you know, conversing back and forth with the Twitterverse, but didn't have that ability. So you hopefully, the people at ESPN message? can help me get it. It was a text message. That's how that two factor identification it goes through your text message. So they were able to duplicate things through my text message in order to get my passcode. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. So be so. The, the, I'm telling you, these guys are in postseason form right now. They're in postseason form. They stretched. They're warm.
3: And like they're doing it. They, they, they got me. They got me good. You put that in. You put the code in or you gave them that code. No, what
1: what they what no. happens is if they get your cell phone number and they know yeah. who's who's what account is connected to, they can create they basically mirror the phone number. So what happens is there's a system that allows you any SMS text message that gets sent to your phone, you can copy that. And so what what they know is that they know your password, they know your email, they know your login, and then you get that SMS text message, then they'll get it, they'll log it in, they'll get into your account, then they'll change the password and boom. You're stuck, so that's why it's smart to
2: constantly change your Twitter password. Yeah, there you go. And, and on top, of, and on top of that, Fanta, like if it's green, just don't answer. If you don't have the number and it's green, just don't answer.
3: Mm-hmm. You answered it.
2: I well, I said wrong number because I was assuming it was somebody that I they were looking for somebody from a game or something. Because I like over the last month, I've gotten a lot of work. You guys know that, and it's like I'm getting numbers from everywhere. And I, I just I answered I was like, "Hey, I think you got the wrong number." Poof, gone. See ya. Done.
1: I'm so busy.
3: Yeah, it's did you just bl- Did you just flex to us? Basically, yeah, did you just flex- you flex. guys, I've gotten so I've got so much work. Flex. I have to watch Fanta
2: do hits constantly. He has been he has been everywhere. I got I get a little work. I want to talk about it. Doster has created created an, a basketball media empire. I got to hear about that every time he gets in a Twitter argument with some random dude from Nova <laughs> Scotia. And then Fanta's doing hits like every hour and a half for Big East. It's awesome, but damn it, I get to flex a little bit too now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and you get to be king 40. of the Big East, John Fanta and Rob Doster, who created something out of nothing, which is his basic. That's what he goes back to whenever, like he gets in an argument with somebody on Twitter. So I respect that.
1: All right. So Fanta, you mentioned this. <laughs> you were about to mention something on air here. Or are you gonna go wear that? There.
3: Are you gonna wear that shirt combo for Marquette's big East tournament game?
1: I was I was thinking about doing it. Like but I, I want to get when Shaka wins because I always get my like I get my balls broken for like the, the dry fit polo and the long sleeve underneath. And Shaka loves that. So I wanted to I was when they win a game in the big East tournament, I'm gonna go get him. I'm gonna be like, Can you just please tell people that like this is a good look?
2: This works. <laughs> We make it. We make it
1: happen. That
3: would be really good content.
1: Yeah. So i want to do, you, do
3: yourself
2: a do yourself a favor and ask Shaka Smart for fashion advice. I, I think that's the next stage. <laughs> yeah. His development at all time as an all time great. Yes. Yes, sir. All right.
1: Let's talk about the Big East Fanta. you were about to mention something uh, right before we started recording. Mm-hmm. So I cede the floor to you.
3: Well, there's two things right out of the hopper here. Number one, if you look at The AP top 25 on this fine Monday, February the 20th, 2023. And then you think about where we were in this sport exactly two months ago. Nobody in their right mind would have been able to predict this. The Big East Conference leads all conferences with the most teams in the top 20 of today's AP poll, with five teams. In the top 20. Now they happen to be ranked between 10 and 20, with Marquette coming in at 10, Xavier at 16, and then actually Connecticut is now the third highest ranked Big East team up to 18, Creighton at 19, Providence at 20. The point is that for a year that was originally pegged as a down season, the top of the league has really saved the entire conference by being as strong as they have and by doing the thing that we often say could end up really crushing you with the exception of Xavier, who's also made up for it by sweeping UConn and by beating Creighton. These teams at the top of the league standings, fellas have been able to take care of business against everybody in the back half. They're Mm -hmm. unbeaten at home. That's why this big East regular season title race is fascinating. I'm going to hit you all. Everybody yep. out there listening with the even bigger no, unless you want to break in before I before I get into it. No, it no,
1: anything? I want you to, and I want everybody to just when you I don't think TO knows this yet. So I want I I cannot wait for you to break this news to TO He it's doesn't great.
3: know it. I called Rob on Friday with this news. I've talked with like three people about it and uh and and not many more because there are three people that I knew would appreciate it, and all three reactions have been what? So here's here's comes To's reaction. Now he's hearing this for the first time. So Marquette's thirteen and three in the Big East standings. Creighton, Providence, and Xavier are twelve and four. Creighton hosts Marquette Tuesday night, eight thirty Eastern time. It's on FS1. It's the Big East game of the year in Omaha. If Creighton wins, you're then going to have Marquette down to thirteen and four. You'll have Creighton at thirteen and four. And Providence is uh, at UConn Wednesday. Xavier's hosting Villanova. So Xavier could be 13-4. and four. Providence, that's going to be a tough battle here at UConn. It's big on Wednesday night. Rob will be there. But back to this. Guys, if you look at tiebreakers, let's just say that Creighton and Marquette both win out for the sake of argument. Both teams have very manageable schedules. Creighton visits Villanova on Saturday. You'd still... Think that Creighton wins that game. Marquette's got a very easy slate. It's DePaul, Butler, and St. John's. If Creighton and Marquette are tied, the first four methods of the Big East Conference tiebreaker system would be used, and you wouldn't be able to break the tie. There are six total methods. Number six is a coin toss. We're not going to get to the coin toss. (laughs) <laughs> because, because the second-to-last way of determining who wins the tiebreaker is the NCAA's net rankings. <laughs> which, right now, which right now, this is unbelievable. <laughs> Creighton's net ranking is 13, and Marquette's net ranking is 14. (laughs) We would have to wait until Sunday morning. Okay. Sunday morning, March 5th to determine who has won or who is the one seed in the big East tournament. So will we see these coaches try to run up scores in the last week to have a higher net ranking?
1: Can I just say something? Or do you want the one seed? Can I just, can I just put something out there? Fanta? I just think I going to put something out there. Since we're determining seedings based on the net, um, I just have a quick question for you. You're you're the big east expert. You know better than I do about this stuff. Um, what team in the big east has the highest net rating right
3: now? <laughs> Connecticut
1: uconn see that's oh. your issue there's the issue wait hold on so uconn has the highest net rating and we're using net rating to determine who's the number yeah. one seed and the number one seed is the biggest regular season champion so yeah should we cut down the nets is that what we're doing
3: the university, university of cut Connecticut. down the nets yeah they do have the highest net
1: hang the banner highest net 2023
3: and <laughs> hang the banner
2: up there with all those other national championship banners hang the net banner So would you rather that
3: 2023 we're back, baby. Would you rather determine your conference champion by the net or by a coin toss?
2: I was going to say coin flip coin flip (laughs) about the same thing anyway. Well, from a ridiculous as from a
1: content perspective. Absolutely. I would want to have it be on a coin flip. (laughs) You know how awesome would that would be if we could stream that? Put that on field of 68. You got Shaka Smart over here. You got Greg McDermott over here. Who actually flips the coin? What kind of coin are we talking about? Is it a quarter? Is it one of those new quarters that's a little bit lighter? Are we talking about like a silver dollar? Right? Are we flipping pennies? What are we flipping? <laughs> Who's flipping it? What does the what does the coin actually land on? Is it landing on a table? Is it landing on a floor? How good is how good is
2: Val at flicking the,
1: the course? Yeah, do, we we like a do, we, do we use, are we going, are do we we going use something board? else? Do we yes. use a machine? Yes. How does we do you do two out of three?
3: I think I'm going to... a very delegate. good question.
1: What happens if the coin lands directly on its side? Nobody has answers to these. If, That's the, coin lands,
3: if the coin lands directly <laughs> on its side, the DePaul Blue Demons are the ones seen. The <laughs> I'm, with, I'm, good I'm, with
1: that. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. All right. Um, just big picture. Of, wow. My voice just cracked badly. Big picture. I didn't of, hear it. Yeah. Well, uh, Good. <laughs> it would have knocked out your ear. <laughs> um, big picture on the big east. Uh, it's a second straight week where we have back to back days of just incredibly important games, not just in terms of like the big east regular season title, but like rivalry stuff, rivalry matchups. It's exactly the kind of games that you want when you're talking about having a league that is fighting for eyeballs, it's trying to get attention, uh, national games. So Fanta Marquette at Creighton we got Providence at UConn. I mean, this is what you're looking for if you're the Big East, right? This is the dream. This is the perfect scenario.
3: Cannot wait. Have not been to Omaha for a game in three years. Cannot wait to be out there on Tuesday night for what should be a wild scene. Creighton and Marquette have played some incredibly compelling games. And here's the evidence that it's a marathon of a season, fellas. When Creighton and Marquette, Last met, we were sitting at Halls down in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. We were sitting having steaks at the Greenville Winter Invitational on the eve of the event. And we were all sitting there at the table saying, Man, Creighton is not right. What a disappointment. This is brutal for the Big East. At the time, those are the words we were uttering. And we were also saying, Well, Marquette's Mm -hmm. kind of surprising people. That's interesting. And and I think we were thinking, okay, well, Marquette will make the tournament, they'll probably be like a seven seed. <laughs> well, how times have changed in the course of, of two months, this is now a massive right. battle for the regular season title. Creighton's mm-hmm. playing about as well as anybody that you're gonna find. They've won nine of ten. They're this if they had beaten Providence in at the amp, which apparently nobody can, uh, because Providence has won 17 consecutive home games, we're talking about Creighton as a top, maybe a top ten team today. Um, and I still think of them that highly. But the point is that that right now, like, I, I do think that this is interesting. In the current climate of college sports, where football is king to the general fan, the Big East keeps bringing you back to if you love basketball, there's no place that you're going to enjoy the love of basketball year round than the Big East Conference. Because it it is the priority there. It's the main seat of the yes. table. It mm-hmm. is the main seat of the table. And you guys know it because you see your mentions and you see who's following you and you see who's who's going at you. And for all of this buzz to be generating now for a league that doesn't have Georgetown up, they don't have Villanova up what's going to happen when when some of these programs finally when they get off the map Villanova's a different case but when if Georgetown and St. John's ever get off the map my point is this is you said it Rob it's strong buzz and in 2 weeks when all 11 get together at Madison Square Garden oh, man the Big 12's been the best conference and the Big 12 tournament will be ridiculous but that yet again MSG elevates everything and the way that these top five are going as we talk today gentlemen there are six as many as six scenarios in which a Big East tournament champion could be crowned in my opinion that is as much if not more options than any other power league that's a reflection on how tough the top of this league has been.
1: Yeah, I, I still say, T.O., you that the top of the Big East is better than the top of the Big 12. I know everyone wants to crush me for it. I would make the argument that Kansas is probably the best team out of all of those groups, uh, but I think that on the whole, the top four teams in the Big East are better than the top four teams in the Big 12. It's close. I'm going to admit that I am completely biased <laughs> in that conversation, but, I mean, I love I love this conference. Wow, that's a,
2: that's a really – that's a big statement.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going there. It's a really – well,
2: Yeah. It's not a stretch. It's not a stretch.
1: A lot of it, though, is I think that Creighton right now, if if you're power ranking teams who are who the biggest threats in March right now, who are the best teams right now, I I would have Creighton like top six, top five, top six. So,
3: yeah. Did you feel? Did you feel that the top six team reveal from the committee on Saturday was accurate with five Big Twelve teams out of the top twelve?
1: I don't think that it matters. Like the there's so much basketball left to be played. There's two weeks left of the regular season. We have two huge games happening in the big East. And then you have what amounts to basically two and a half weeks of basketball condensed into four days with the teams that end up winning four and four, right? Three and three against good competition against big teams. So, so much changes over the course of that week that I don't think it really matters all that much to be frank. The one, here's the one takeaway that I had. And tell me what you guys think about this. UConn is top 10 in every metric and they were not in the top 16. St. Mary's, top 10 in every metric, they were not in the top 16. Yep. Tennessee, top five in every metric before the loss to Kentucky when this the bracket was revealed, they were uh, the uh, a three seed. I don't think the metrics are going to matter necessarily as much, and I think it's important to note that Good. the community does not look at those metrics and use that to seed as much as they look at those metrics to determine what's a quality win when you're looking at a team's resume. And I think, to me, that really, really stood out when
2: you saw that bracket review. That's good. I'm with that. And Jim Root, who so eloquently put me in my place several times now, has uh, elaborated as much. It's it's an interesting way to quantify wins and what kind of wins and all that stuff. But all of that being said, it still misses a lot of context, especially with the net, but I, I get it. I get it. I understand a way. There's so many teams. It's really hard to 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 be able to look at context with every single one of them. So that's kind of where the hard part is for that.
1: Yeah. No, you're 100% right. Um, T.L., let me ask you this, because we had a big argument about this on Saturday night on the episode After Dark that Goodman and I did um, from Bloomington. He is saying that Kansas, he would probably say Kansas is the second best team in America right now. He thinks Houston wins a national title. I th- and thinks that Kansas is the second-best team in America. Um, I can't quite get that far. I think that there's a top tier, and you can make an argument that Kansas belongs in that top tier. You can yeah. also make an argument that Kansas does not belong in that top tier. Where do you stand on the Jayhawks? I mean, look, I don't know if there was a more impressive half of basketball that I've seen from anybody this year than outscoring those Baylor Bears by 30, putting up 58 on them in one half but you had to do that because you were down by 16 in the first half. Like, so I, I don't know. I don't know where you, that's, this college, that,
2: that's, a, that's uh, this college basketball season in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Like you think like one team is a certain national champion, uh, you know, or not a national title contender. And then they lay an egg in the second half or they're bad in the first. And then you're like, Oh no, what happened to this team? Creighton. And then in the second half, they're blowing everybody up by 30. Like, it's uh, such a good season for all the parity. I like Kansas towards the top because I just, I, I'm amazed at how good they've been despite not playing in a traditional sense of what Bill Self usually does. Like, I, they're still so good. And the, the fact that you could put that many points up against the Baylor team that's not a great defensive team, but still have some pieces that can guard, like, it says a lot about their team. Now, I understand Fog Allen's a tough place to play and all that, but Kansas is Kansas. And Jalen Wilson's been unbelievable this year if I had to pick a national title contender right now it's still so hard to do I think there's tears I, I agree with you uh, I would not pick Houston right out of the gate I think they control their controllable things as good as anybody in college basketball but I, I just don't think that you know they go up against a team that's willing to match or, or exceed their physicality because they're a little bigger I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility they get beat in the second or the second or third round because of that if they run into the wrong matchup but at the same time, they could win it. Alabama could make a Final Four run, which they've never done. UCLA is just kind of waiting in the weeds being great, 23-4, and four, and they've got a lot of pieces. They've got a closer in Jaime Jaquez. They've got different guys that can really defend. Jalen Clark's one of the best wing defenders in the country. Like there, I, I would say there's tiers, and I think the tiers are bigger in terms of having more teams this season than we've had. Guys, I want to say in the past – Fifteen to twenty years. The closest there thing is, I there, can there remember is, it
1: being is the the twenty twenty season that was canceled because of COVID, and we all kind of got to yeah. the point by the end of the year where you're like, yeah, it's probably Kansas that's the best team in the country. But you remember like San Diego State had plan and we're just running through everybody. Baylor was awesome. Um, That was the only top in Dayton team, right? Uh, to I just real quick circling Seton back to Kansas, Seton Hall, yeah, Seton uh, Hall, the 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 fighting Miles Powells, um. I want to go back on one thing really quick. Dewan Harris. Here's a here's a here's a stat. It kind of blew my mind when I looked this up.
3: Yep.
2: Kansas he's awesome. We know. Is,
1: Kansas is undefeated this year when he scores four points or more. That's all he's got to do. If he scores four <laughs> points or more. Kansas is undefeated. Wow. Score, in, in their wow. five losses, he was scoreless <laughs> twice, scored two points twice, and hit a three. And another one of them
3: that one we, ups me i had 12 and 0 when they when he was in double figures i didn't realize it was four yeah.
1: yeah so four points i and this is obviously fun with small sample sizes right but he played 17 minutes in the first half against baylor took one shot was scoreless Yep. they were down by 16 at one point in the first half second half six or seven from the floor six assists one turnover 14 points hit two threes was getting to the bucket had a couple of like those ridiculous kind of floating spinning i don't know how you got that english on the layups i just i know how good they are when they have him playing well to but like i when he's not that happens too often for me to really feel comfortable saying okay i can fully buy in on them being as good as anybody in the country when you know that this guy is capable of like just not showing up for some games and that's probably pretty, yeah. He's, he, I said that a little more harshly yeah. than I meant to say it, but you know what I mean.
2: Yeah. I love how you pillowed it up a little bit, make it nice and soft whenever yep. you're using your critique. Big fan of that. Uh, he's only played poorly five times. Like, that's the thing. Like, in five times out like, of 26 he, games me, means one
1: out, one out of every five games, which means like, that's right. Yeah. So uh, they're an Elite
2: Eight. They're an Elite Eight bust, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. There
2: you go. Good math for me, Theo. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm coming after you right now. I'm, I'm just pissed because I don't have a Twitter. So, everything I need, everything I, need, I said right now is taken with a grain of salt. I can't clap back at anything. I'm just catching <laughs> shrapnel through text messages. Like that's all I get. And then all of a sudden I'll get a text message from somebody saying something from Dawson Be like, here's a Twitter blue scrubber. he freaking got hacked anyway. It doesn't matter. So like uh, yeah, I, got I a did. Say, I, did dude, dude. I did tweet that. I did tweet that. I'm real. Unreal. <laughs> like, look, yeah, uh, so that's why hold on, I'll, let,
1: I'll let you finish your point i forgot the but, question but the fact the fact that you got hacked literally an hour before elon made the change where t- you had to subscribe to t- twitter blue to be able to get the two-factor and you're subscribed to twitter blue is just it's it's so funny and it's so perfect and
3: <laughs> i think i got that notification and i declined it should i have accepted it i didn't
1: I, i'm gonna end up just paying for it like in total, yeah. it's like it ends up being eighty bucks for the whole year, and it sucks. But that having that Twitter account, it's more than confidence that, that you're it's not eleven
2: dollars gonna... a month.
1: No, they they changed it. It's if you pay for the whole year for Twitter Blue now, because I, I just did it for both of the accounts. It's it ends up being seven dollars a month, eighty four dollars for the whole year, or you pay eight dollars a yeah. month monthly installments. Um, I, we were talking about I don't even know what. Should we just move De- on?
3: Dewan Harris, but but let, let me say this. <laughs>
1: Ben has been waiting 10 minutes to make this point.
2: (laughs) So
3: so here's the thing. Terrence is so right on college hoops in a nutshell, was summed up by the Baylor-Kansas game. Because Baylor convinced everybody in that first 20 minutes that they can win a national championship. Now, some of their true colors show defensively in the second half because when they started to not make shots, typically Scott Drew's best teams have been able to then still stand up on the defensive end of the floor. That did not happen once Kansas started converting. Now, does Allen Fieldhouse have something to do with it? Yes. Guys, it felt like college hoops heaven from a tv viewing standpoint mm-hmm. i watched the game on saturday and um just listening to alan fieldhouse in that second half holy cow like it felt like vintage college basketball but in in 2023 which is great for the sport that was such a terrific advertisement for the sport and it was a terrific advertisement for kansas not only dewan harris is the most important player on this team and and when he had a catch-and-shoot three, at one point in the second half, Grady Dick had a look from three. And, and Grady's IQ just fits Bill self-system. He comes off of a fake, dribbles to his left, he kicks to Harris, who is wide open. There's Baylor was leaving him open. He cans that triple at the time Kansas went up five or eight. That was it. Because when Dewan Harris is hitting perimeter shots, good night, good night. Jalen yeah. Wilson performed like an All-American. To me, though, if Harris is the most important player, the underlying key to this Kansas team, like it's it's the part of the car that, that you would have trouble identifying that it wasn't working if you were trying to repair the car, but then you figured it out at the end of the day and you said, oh, wait a minute. That was it. That was what was going wrong. The underlying key for Kansas is K.J. Adams and his ability to take on the front court role that Bill self has given him and run with it. That was a massive question for this team entering the season. He goes for 17 points on Saturday. In the second half he asserted himself. He helped will that team. He runs the floor like a deer. The guy gets up and down. He he's mobile and as a result it's made this small ball lineup dangerous. Really dangerous because when Kansas gets it going and Harris has it going. At that point, you can no longer play them five on four. You've, really? You really are in a tough spot defensively. And on Saturday, that was showcased.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: To go back on the Dewan, that's what we were talking about. And Fanta is absolutely right about KJ Adams, but it's, uh, I, I don't know how in the world he was left off the Bob Cousy award list. Like the top ten finalists. Like, how 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 is that possible? What are we overseeing here? He was. He was left off. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not a voter on that list, so I can. uh, I cannot comment. Yeah, I, I don't know how that was missed, but he is so important and he's so good and solid for that team. Like, it's pretty amazing, really. Like what he's able to do and contribute. He's the best. Probably the best point guard defender in that league, and if you're the best point guard defender in that league, you're one of the best point guard defenders in college basketball. Mm-hmm. He sit, puts everybody in the right spot. He's unselfish. He does have to make a shot, and he showed that he's capable of that. And to be honest with you guys, like he's one of my favorite players that I don't think gets talked about enough. And I had some people clap back. He's he's been talked about way too much. No, he hasn't, guys. No, he hasn't. That's the issue. He is. He is talking about more. the
1: wrong way. Like that's that's the thing. right the conversation always tends towards, well, you don't trust their point guard play. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of what it, which is, I don't know. Whoever
2: saying that, whoever saying that is wrong, wildly incorrect.
1: I kind of, I kind of agree with it to a point where like, you know how good he is, but it's, I mean, I I said what I said before, like the, he needs to be great and there's been some inconsistencies and I don't know if that's necessarily a confidence thing or, Maybe he went through that week and he had a, a bum ankle, you know, because a lot of that stuff happened like a two week stretch. So Maybe he had a bum ankle that we just didn't know about, but um, sure, I think. But he's very good. All right, uh, I want to talk about two other blue bloods because I think it's a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Um Kentucky, <clears throat> one. Kentucky, last week won at Mississippi State, and they've now completed a sweep of your balls. Sorry to um, They now have They're not my balls. Yes, they are your balls. So they've actually um, – they actually now have four quad one wins because I believe it was uh, – someone just moved up into the, the the top 30, so they now have four quad one wins. Either way, Kentucky's at the point now – Kentucky's no, going to the tournament. They're they're a tournament team. They're gonna, they're it's, it's going it. to happen. Yes. Georgia's now a quad two loss. They're going to the tournament. The question now for them is what seed they're going to end up getting. Um, and when you kind of take a deeper dive into it and you see what they've dealt with from an injury perspective – uh, we were very critical of Coach Cal finding a way to get to the right lineup. I think that once he got to that lineup, navigating Severe Wheeler being out, navigating C.J. Frederick being out, navigating some of the limitations that come with having Oscar Sheewe being your best player, right? You know, Casey Wallace missed the game. He's been banged up. I think that he's actually done a pretty good job writing the ship and getting the Kentucky to the point where, like, you know, on any given night, are you really going to count them out of a game?
3: No, I don't. Th- I don't you're, think you're going to. No. no, they're they're capable of winning multiple NCAA tournament games. That's why we were expressing our frustration with this team to begin with, mm-hmm. because you knew that they. Yeah, exactly right. right. That that's it. I mean, it wasn't us picking on Kentucky. I mean, some people were, but it wasn't us picking on Kentucky because of the, the, we. You, you can't have the reigning national player of the year. And have one of the best recruiting classes in the country, and not be in the NCAA tournament. Which I know where you're going with the other blue blood, because we're mm. we're gonna get we're gonna get to them, and I got thing I got things to say about that.
2: Oh boy, Kentucky, I'm just happy it's not me.
3: Yeah, well, you're next, Kentucky. Kentucky <laughs> to me is is dangerous. Here's the thing about Kentucky, and it showed on Saturday. They attacked the rim. They went to the basket. They were cutting off the ball. Utilizing backdoor cuts, screening well, going to the rim. All season long, we have said, this is not a good perimeter shooting team. So on a number of sequences on Saturday, whether it was Damian Collins with a great find, he had a great find in the second half of this game. His one assist was a nasty assist backdoor Jacob Toppin converts Toppin real x-factor who's developed Kason Wallace's activity guys Kason Wallace is like a junior or a senior in college at the level that he can play at for Kentucky at times his activity updating all the way back to the champions classic when Rob and I were sitting courtside watching him and we're like oh my god this kid's a freshman his activity his fingerprints are all over the game he gives them six assists six rebounds 16 points and here we go, guys. Chris Livingston's starting to get it. It took Livingston a while. It took him a while. I mean, he had three double-figure performances all season here before the last two weeks when he's had a couple in a row. Chris Livingston's figured something out, and he's figuring out that he's got to be aggressive for this team to win. He's good player. The, he's a really good player. And now he's starting to see the results. What I loved about Kentucky on Saturday was – Oscar Sheebway willed them in Knoxville. On Saturday, Sheebway had a good game. He had 16 and seven, but Kentucky showed they can be dangerous because for the, for the first time all season, I was coming away watching them saying, wow, they achieved offensive balance today and they achieved it somewhat efficiently by shooting close to 50%. They've got something here. And I got to tell you, I could totally see the committee putting them in an eight-nine game because of the injuries and all that stuff. Are you? If I'm a one seed, I would look at that and go. That's my reward in the first week in the NCAA tournament. I play Oscar Sheeby and Kentucky. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, that's
1: actually a perfect.
2: Go ahead, go ahead. Would it me. be a six-seven seed? Six-seven seed, really?
3: That's Maybe. high. That that's high. is it high? No, it kinda, a it's going It's going to depend Kentucky. on how
1: the. I don't know how their season closes out, right? If they if they continue, they've won eight of their last eleven. They get hot here and they start winning out, and they kind of find the groove. Um, Then they can maybe make it up to that that six seven line. The one issue is like, if you don't beat Alabama, are you really going to add that many more quality wins? You know, there's things that might look good just because of the name, but it's not necessarily going to be great wins because of the metrics. They were a uh, they were in the playing game as of Friday on our fielding the sixty eight show. Um, Tio, I want to segue to something real quick because, uh, Phantom mentioned Kentucky being an eight seed in 2014. We had another situation where Kentucky was a, a preseason favorite and ended up as an eight seed. They made it to the national title game that year. That was one of two times since the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams that we've had a team that was ranked preseason. Number one that entered the tournament outside one of the top four seed lines. The other one was Yukon in yeah. 2000 after they won the national title. Um they were a 5 seed. Yeah. Uh with the Calit Elamines last year. It's only happened sure. twice. One time, UConn, 5 seed. The other time, Kentucky, 8 seed, they made the national title game. North Carolina was the preseason number 1 team in the country. As yeah. of today, they are 16 and 11. 11 losses is the most lo- most losses that a preseason number 1 team has had since 1961. Wow. They are 0-9 against mm. quad one opponents. Mm. They don't have a good win this season unless, like, NC State at home. Probably that's, like, a, a solid win, right? After that win, Armando Baycott walked out into the press room wearing Prada sunglasses. I don't know if you saw last night. After they lost at NC State, uh, you had Turquavian Smith and DJ Burns walked out with just kind of – I don't even know what they were. They weren't Prada sunglasses, but they had shades on when they walked into the press room. Nice little look. <laughs> well, uh, hey, hey, turquavian
2: Smith started that. Yeah, well, I, he, he was the one who started that, and then Baycott came back, and then I guess NC State got the last yeah. laugh. It's a Carolina team, man. They lost five out of six guys in a time of the year where you need to be at your best.
1: Well, my question is: five out of six, if they've lost five out of six. There was one, I, I don't know if you saw the games uh, yesterday. There was one play that stood out to me more than anything else, Tio. There was a break. It was in the first half. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was in the second half. Equavian Smith is driving to the rim. RJ Davis is running back on defense after a turnover was committed. And instead of like swiping at the ball, instead of trying to get in the way, making a charge, and he was there, he was in the top time trying to make the play. He just pulled up and let him let the dude win in and go make a layup. And like that right there, there's a lot of issues with this team, right? We can kind of get into it. But that right there, once you stop putting in the effort, once you get rid of that like no layups mentality, that says it all to me right there. I think we can. I mean, of w- w- at what it's point a in the game
2: was this? It was at what point half. in the game was this?
1: It was in the second half. It was a close oh. game. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. a, he game, four,
2: it was a Okay, he had. Uh, he had four fouls. I mean, I'm not sure if that factored in. I didn't get to watch it because I was. I was running around, but uh, it, it's a team that they, even without watching it, they haven't had consistent effort. You didn't
1: yet. need to watch. It was the exact same thing that we've seen the last yeah. three weeks and basically the whole season. Yeah,
2: yeah. They 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 take too many hard shots. Caleb Love was once again 7 of 17, not overly efficient. They're frustrated with each other. He had four turnovers. Um, Armando Baycott, like, I feel bad for the guy. It's 16 and 14, and, like, he's busting his butt. He just – sometimes there's not a whole lot you can do. And it's just – it's been a – if they don't make the tournament, and I don't know if they will or not, because if there's a, you know, there's a benefit of the doubt situation going on with Carolina, we but we all three – three of us know it, but – if they don't make the tournament, this is the most disappointing team in the history of college basketball. I,
1: you're not wrong. What yeah. they've done is it never – if they don't make the tournament, that's never happened before. Ever. Yeah. Never happened before. The could you play, imagine their effort it. level
2: in the first – could you imagine their effort level in the first round of an NIT game? They they would not accept an <laughs> NIT bid. They shouldn't
1: they would accept not, it. No. It would not It would not. No. It would not happen. It would be an embarrassment. It would be remember the 2012 Kentucky team that went to the NIT and ended up losing on the road at Robert Morris. Remember that? That's there would be something similar like that. That would happen. Um, I want to know what you guys think, because Goodman and I. We had an argument about this. I can't remember how much of it was actually on air um, and how much of it was just us arguing during one of our two hour long drives in the middle of Indiana. We'll talk. Uh, about those
3: that. must have been thrilling. I mean, when you have to listen in for a whole weekend, do you remember any of like what happened? Throughout the course of the weekend,
2: yeah, it's he just he just grinded you down to a nub. Did he talk about our? <laughs> did
3: he talk about our show? Like, did he you know hand out some thoughts on on uh, to and me? Well, and, you,
1: you know? guys like you really should be doing this a little bit more because like you don't talk enough about this. Who cares <laughs> about that? You know who cares about that? That's uh, I got a lot of that. Um, no, but my I said that he puts a lot of this on Hubert. And I think that, that a lot of the blame falls on Hubert right. Yeah. But here's but here's <laughs> my take. And I, I, I want to know what your thoughts on Like legitimately, I want your thoughts on this, Tio. Because I think that before you absolutely judge him and you say, like, okay, look, you got one year to figure this out, or we're to get rid of you, right? Yeah. I don't th- I think you need to see what happens when you kind of get this. He gets his own guys. That get this group out that very clearly has issues like getting along with each other we've seen it's it's been we've had nine months of basketball with this group under hubert davis eight of those months they've been just bad they haven't been good they had one month where they got hot and they figured it out then they came back everybody made a bunch of money they already made their run it doesn't seem like they're locked in at all doesn't seem like they're connected at all all that culture cliche stuff we talk about is out the door um i don't think that you could properly judge him because there's only if you got a bunch of assholes that don't want to get along in your locker room like there's only so much you're going to be able to do as a coach.
2: You know what I mean? Like, I, let's let, let's let's be assholes is a strong word. Bunch of young immature people. Well, I'm not specific. I'm not friend. specifically
1: yeah. talking about. Like, I'm not calling them. What I'm saying is like, if yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get you're abstract, I get what you're saying. I just control.
2: wanted to clarify. Just, just yes,
1: you know, yes, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. But I mean, like, what, how much, how much do you put on? No,
2: I mean, he's, he's- recruited, he's recruited really well. I, I mean, the, the thing is, is, you know, Caleb Love and RJ and Armando, like, God bless Armando, man. He's still doing it. And it's like, is his effort level has never waned. He's brought it every day. Uh, I don't know if he's complaining off, off the court, but on it, like, he's bringing it every possession. And it's despite what's going on in the front, in the backcourt like and it hasn't been a consistent level of effort all season long and it hasn't been because of him the problem is, is he doesn't have the ball in his hands in order to kind of make everybody mm-hmm. else he, he can't inject pace into an offense he can't be a quick ball mover at a, as a five man like your best player is a five man you need some role-playing happy dudes at the one and the two if that team had Dewan harris if that team had Dewan Harris beside Caleb Love or that team had Dewan Harris beside R.J. Davis, it would be a wildly different dynamic.
1: The second one.
2: The second one, right. <laughs> like it would, it would be a wildly different dynamic with that team and how they play. I just feel like there, there's energy givers and there's energy takers. You're either one or the other. And like they have a lot of takers on that team. And I think there's one in particular that's the biggest one. But I'll just – I'll let everybody make the correct assumption with who I'm talking about. But it's like – I hate it for – I hate it for Baycott. But I would wait because they've recruited really well. And for all intents and purposes, everybody that they're bringing in, I I think for the most part, Hubert's going to get his mitts on them. And and I think – I think Hubert's a good guy. I think he really cares about the job there. I think once he gets this crop of guys out and he can – put his hands on some guys to really not mold them as it might maybe mold them to what he wants them to do. But I think, I think uh you, you have to give it a couple. I mean, you hired him. You hired Hubert Davis as the coach of the university of North Carolina. You can't let him go. He just made a final four this mm-hmm. year. You, you just hope they wipe clean and they can get rid of some guys that they don't need.
1: Yeah. I just fancy. I just think that you, You can't make a proper judgment until, I think you got to give them one. That was a
2: terrible analysis by me. What a ramble thon! Horrible analysis. Sorry. There's three
3: reasons. There's three reasons why North Carolina has been the most disappointing team in college basketball. Number one is point blank. Effort. Apparently, Armando Baycott's level of intensity and effort doesn't trickle down to the rest of the roster. Not sure what right. guys are missing on this roster, but defensively, North Carolina is not a good team on that end of the floor because of their lack of effort at times. More times than not. That that that's an you know it's
2: crazy too. Like they have Leaky Black, who's one of the best perimeter defenders in the country. Mm-hmm.
3: Hasn't seemed to matter. Like,
1: How many turnovers? Did they have? How many turnovers did they have yesterday? How many turnovers? Or did they, did they force? Three. They
3: forced a grand total of two.
1: Well, they, they forced three. Two of them came in uh, – well, maybe it was two. Whatever it was. I think there was one that was like the the shot clock went off like at the end or something like that. Either way, there was one – they forced one before garbage time. That's it. One yeah, that, turnover before the so, walk-ons were in.
3: So reason number one is that the effort lacks, and that falls on coaching. So yeah. that's where that gets looped into. He, he's he's yeah. got to be able to bring more out of the kids. whether they're his or not or whatever, he was on staff. He was the heir to the throne. So he's, he's had to do a lot with those kids over the course of their careers. It's not like he stepped in and didn't know them from Joe Smith. All right. Mm -hmm. Number two, number two, uh, why has this team struggled? Well, this team has struggled because they thought we all thought that they had found an appropriate replacement for what Brady Manick did for them. And the, the the that was unfair to Pete Nance. Pete Nance has been, at the end of the day, pretty underwhelming. Um, It's nothing on Pete. It's it's nothing against him. It just hasn't worked. And part of the reason why Pete Nance hasn't worked out in a North Carolina uniform is number three, the third reason why this team has struggled. And the third reason why this team has struggled is because the guards on this team do not know who to get the basketball to. And they don't know how to connect the team. Guard play connects teams. North Carolina's guards are not connected, and so as a result, they have failed.
1: Yep, I think uh,
2: one the uh, effort piece is the thing that pisses you off
3: more. Than
1: anything. Yeah, the, the the effort piece pisses you off, and effort makes up for a lot of of uh, a
3: lot of flaws. 100%. I also I
1: also think it's important to note,
3: and it's not like the, he can before you go. It's not like he can just put other people in. To replace, like, if somebody's not giving effort, then he could be like, Oh, I'm going to put this guy in because he doesn't have any faith in his bench.
1: That's that one's a, that's a different conversation, T.O. I see you about to spout off on that one, but like, you, yeah, you could have developed that over the course of the year. I think that's where you, if you're going to knock Hubert, that's where you can knock him. I will also say, Pete Nance, his last year at Northwestern, shot 92 threes, which also happens to be the same number of threes that Brady Manick shot. When the North Carolina made their run over the course of the last fourteen games, right? Brady Manick was a guy that you could run off screens as a catch and shoot threat. He was a guy that had serious gravity. He was a guy that was not afraid to like kind of step up and take a twenty-seven footer if you needed to. shoot. Like he was a shooter. Pete Nance. He is a wasn't guy afraid he was to tell guys. Caleb
2: Love to shut up either. Yeah. And and like that, I I think his when he got well, here's the thing. Impact was like, he, there.
1: And we saw that, like, if you talk to people around that program, like, as Brady it kind of embraced ownership over the team, that's when things started to change a little bit because he didn't take shit from anybody, which is really yeah. ironic coming out of, like uh, because when he left Oklahoma, everyone was like, yeah, he's too soft. And then he gets there and he's got a beard and he's got long hair and he's the one that's kind of telling North Carolina North Carolina's guys to do what they want to do. But that's a, that's a long-winded way of saying, I think Pete Nance is more of a stretch five than he is a stretch four. So while it kind of looked like a good fit on paper, it's just a weird fit, and it's just one that's not working as well as we maybe thought it was um, as
2: it was going Guys, to. Pete Nance was two of five yesterday. Pete Nance isn't the issue. No. If Pete Nance no, I know put it position
1: – I know Pete Nance isn't the issue, but the thing is we thought Pete Nance was going to come in and be Brady Manic, and he's just like not – Really, a, like he's just kind of there, like he's a piece. So I think that we overvalued what his impact was going to end up being, which is part of why I had them as a preseason number one. All right. Uh, Here's the weird
2: thing. Here's the weird thing about that whole thing, Rob, is like at the beginning of the, you know, if you're not, if you don't have faith in your bench and their benches, like Tyler Nichols, a nice freshman player, he's a piece. He's not a superstar. He's never going to be a superstar. He's going to be a very good player at Carolina, but he's a piece. DeMarco Dunn, really good athlete. Probably need some more minutes just to get comfortable. Seth Trimble can play right away. Like, here's the thing with them: if you're losing games anyway, you're losing games anyway. Play the guys that are gonna play hard. Play the guy. I I had a pundit call me and call me out for saying that. Well, guess what? Like, (laughs) you guys need to freaking play hard, or else you don't play. You're not winning anyway. A a pundit. A pundit. pundit. Yeah, Punda. He called me and, and got Man. after me for talking critical of Carolina, which deservedly they need they need that. And now he's been proven wrong. You should call him like, back and
1: ask him how North Carolina is doing right now. Should we call him right now? Yeah, yeah I know. Just, you want, me to, want me to send him the you Zoom? Link? Put him on
2: speaker. Well, you want to put him well, on speaker. Let's get him in the Zoom. It's like, but it's like it's ridiculous. Like you play playing hard is a prerequisite to playing time in most places. For some reason, in Carolina, it's not. Yep. So, like, you're um, losing anyway. Play the guys that are going to play hard. At least guys will be happy with it. Look, you talk to their alumni. You talk to Tyler Hansborough. He says the same thing. He goes, I'm okay with losing. Just as long as the guys are playing hard. They don't even play hard. They don't even look like they care. They don't even know if they want to be there. Like, they need nah, to play hard. John
1: Henson won't even, like, he'll just be like, yeah. yeah just roll him. your
2: eyes. Dude, that's what you're getting from your alumni who have won national championships. <laughs> yeah. They just roll their eyes at your effort.
1: Yep. Yeah. John Henson – uh is very good at towing the party line and not saying what he needs to say while letting his facial yeah. expressions say everything that needs to be said. Um, all right, yeah. so let's uh, Tio, I just want to we haven't talked a lot about the Mountain West in this conference. You are calling two Mountain West games. Um, yeah. I know from knowing you that you've probably watched uh the last 22 games that boise state has played you've watched every shot that every player on unlv and new mexico has taken and probably because you're a sicko you probably got distracted at some point and you're like you know what i need to go figure out what's going on with this uh with this San Diego State team, so let me go watch every shot that Matt Bradley has taken over the course of the last seven years, dating all the way back to when he was playing Peach Jam in 2015. So, let's talk about this Mountain West. How good are they? How good is the top? How many teams do you think are a like tournament worthy and b good enough to win a game? The dance. Uh, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt that this is a league that is better than the ACC. I think that's not true. true. I think that you're probably going to put true. back on this, even though you might be wrong in that assessment.
2: Yeah, th- th- I might be wrong, but th- it's just not true. And here's the thing the, the <laughs> metrics, the bottom six teams or so of the ACC just crush you. Like that, that's why the metrics are the way they are. But if you look at a team like Boise State, who's very good and they have a lot of pieces, they they have guys who can score, they're old at the point guard spot. Dagan Hart can score from a lot of different spots, uh, who will be very much be in the running for. Uh, Mountain West player of the year like it's a team with a lot of pieces and and but if you look at the top of the Mountain West if I had to stay right now if they did it today I, I think San Diego State Boise State Nevada get in after that it's close but even if you look at those top three teams I think Boise State they're in that four or five range in the ACC maybe six just depending on that night to night challenge. Uh, I will be honest they are it's a bigger league than and a better league than what I thought it was going to be. Truth be told, I was expecting something along the lines of the American it's better than the American uh outside of Houston obviously, but the top 3 4 teams are very very good. It's just to to say that they're in with the, you know, power 6, I, they are a, a, a fourth of a step behind. Uh, I think ACC this year is the sixth best, best conference, but they're probably a fourth of a step behind the ACC. Uh, but from one to about seven in that league, tough out. Every one of them, tough out. But I think three teams make it in San Diego State because they defend and uh, they they have, was it Matt Bradley who can score? Excuse me. Yeah, Matt Bradley could score. I, I think they could win a game or two. Boise State has Dagan Hart, Max Rice, Leon son. It can play. Mm-hmm. He really, he, he like he scores in kind of awkward ways. He dribbles the ball really high, but he like, he figures out ways to score. They have pieces. I'm not sure. I, I think they can win a game or two in the NCAA tournament, but I'll be honest. It was a fun game to call last night because they, they do try to score in a variety of ways that, that but Mountain West is good. It's not the sixth conf- best conference in college basketball. Good. I, I, I it's definitely in that 7-8 category.
1: It's pretty weird when you uh when you think about the fact that Colorado State and Wyoming were both predicted to be like somewhere in the top half, maybe the top 3 or 4 of this conference heading into the season. They're the other two teams in the last right. place right now. And we're still talking okay, Mountain West on palm is ranked above the uh, the ACC in the Mountain West. On Ken Palm, not only has five teams in the top 50, they have six teams in the top 100. Shout out to Tim Miles, San Jose State. They are 16-11, and 7-7 uh, and 7 in the Mountain West, despite the fact that they no, they're are good.
2: It's a good league. And and I got to spend some time with, with Leon Rice last night after the game. Like, they've got pieces. I, I just don't know that if they had to play in the Pac-12, yeah. like, they're still – probably in that three, four, five area. They're in the conversation like say it, that they're San back-
1: Diego State's in the Pac 12. It's USC, Arizona State, San Diego State we're talking about is like the third best team. Where do they fit?
2: That's kind of the way third or fourth. Third or fourth. That, I think Southern Cal would get them. But it's third or fourth. Like right. it's it's just the metrics screw you up a little bit just simply because you know who they play and how their record's going to be against who they play. But it's it's still in that seven eight range as far as conferences are concerned. But it's very deep. It's very good. There's a lot of really good players. There's dudes everywhere, and there's dudes in this conference for sure. There's
1: so many second chance guys, Fanta. That, that that's one of those leagues yep. that thrives on. All right, everyone that that didn't top 100 kid that didn't make it in the Pac-12, let's give them another chance here. Top 100 kid that didn't make it in the Big 12, well, they're going to get their next chance here. There's a lot of guys like that.
3: Yeah. Hey, worthy of yeah, and- worthy
2: of three teams
3: worthy yeah, of three teams. They deserve three teams and and they could yeah. get one they could get one playing in Dayton if it, if somehow they're able to get a, a fourth but they're definitely worthy of three teams. And, and I think second chances I mean I, I think of Steve Alford and what he's been able to do with Nevada. I mean they're they're a tournament team. Uh they lost mm-hmm. a 21 point lead to Utah State over the weekend, but Jared Lucas is big time. I mean he's averaging over 17 points per game. He had 28 against New Mexico in a game last week. Guys, Lucas had 26 Keenan against Blackshear. He had 26 against San Diego State. Jared Lucas should be getting talked about more. And you're right. Uh Keenan Blackshear is another guy at, at six foot six, yes. a really difficult matchup with significant length that can just make your life difficult. So I'll tell you what, um, San Diego State's capable of making the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. They're they are good enough. Their offense sometimes yep. goes goes astray. What I took away from your Boise State game was exactly what you said. Even UNLV, who, who's had struggles, the way that both teams tried to generate offense, it was really fun to watch. It was entertaining to watch, the mm. way that they were able to generate open shots. And sometimes that gives teams some issues in the NCAA tournament. So, look, uh, Boise State, sure. I mean, right now – if you look at where Boise appears, it's like right right around the 10-11 line. On,
1: on fielding fielding the 68, they are a 10 seed. San yeah. Diego State is a sixty, six seed, uh, Nevada is a nine seed, and New Mexico is one of the uh first four teams
3: out. Yeah. So, so Boise State, the way that they can score the basketball in in spurts, they're gonna be a very difficult 10 seed for a seven to have to put up with. And it's an it's an interesting prep. But I I'd say um I've been impressed by Nevada. I think that they are a really interesting team because Lucas is an absolute bucket getter. And Steve Alford didn't forget how to coach. It just didn't work out at UCLA. He's he's had a nice, nice way of just getting off the mat here and, and bouncing back. But San Diego State's going to have high stakes in the tournament, guys. Last year, San Diego State had Creighton beat. They had them beat. They choked. They've got to respond here and get at least a tournament win this year. That group's got too much talent for them to be one and done.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh hopefully we'll get a win at least one out of the Mountain West. They went 0 4 last year. Uh, you want
2: to hear a funny stat? I, I couldn't believe this when I read it, but Boise Boise State has a number 10 defense in the country. In the Mountain West Conference, they are dead last in blocks and steal percentage. Crazy. That's
3: what crazy.
2: does that tell you? They don't That's they, a, that, like they scout great positioning. everybody. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> scout the absolute hell out of you. That's what that tells you.
1: Yep, that's pretty that's that's a pretty wild stat. That's hard to do. Yep. That is not easy to do. That that's hard don't to be do.
3: Surprised, don't be surprised if a Utah State or New Mexico, again, who's in the first four out and, and are fielding the 68, by the way, five Eastern time Mondays and Fridays. I love the show. Uh, don't, well be surri- don't be surprised if a Mountain West team, if we get a bid stealer.
1: Yeah. That's one of the leagues that's primed for it.
3: Could the happen. Mountain West.
1: Right? Mountain West, absolutely primed for it because you have a couple teams that are going to be uh, – in the mix for at-large bids, I would say San Diego State and Nevada should feel pretty comfortable about where they are. Boise State's got a little bit of work left to do, um, but they should be able to find their way in. All right. Uh, I wanted to real quick just kind of mention we were in Indiana over the weekend. We went to Bloomington Assembly Hall on Saturday for the Indiana-Illinois game. Um We recorded our, or we broadcast uh, after dark from the tap in Bloomington. We had a great setup. I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, we were in there. They have a little basement bar down there. We set up the camera on the bar right in front of the taps. They said that we could drink as much beer as we wanted, which we took full advantage of. Oh, good God. You put them out of
2: business. That was the dumbest thing they could have (laughs) done.
1: No comment. (laughs) Um, But you could could see people walking on the street behind us, and for like, every 15 minutes or so there was the uh, irish pub next door this guy would come out and sit in the door well leaning right up against the window fully on the broadcast puffing on a cigarette and, like he was probably out there for a good like 25 of the show that's uh smoking's bad for you don't that's do awesome. it kids um i also want to give a shout out to like <laughs> the one thing that i've realized going on these trips fanny you've probably experienced a lot of this to you're getting it now that you're getting more games. Is the, yeah. the SIDs, the people that make it easy. Like, oh, if you, superstars. If you like coverage on your team, give credit to the guys that create the access and the create the ability to, for, for us to be able to do that. Like, we were able to get with Jalen Hood who's going to end up being a lottery pick and trace Jackson Davis, who's going to end up being, if, if Zach Edy doesn't win national player of the year, which he's probably going to, it's going to end up being trace Jackson Davis. We were able to get both those guys for about five minutes, exclusively in the hallway behind the games, right at Purdue. um, Chris Foreman was able to set us up where we could do our show on the court three hours after the game ended. Uh, Same thing happened at Kansas state. Same thing happened at Texas, um, same thing happened at Missouri like that. And that's just the trips that we've gone on this year to say nothing of the people that pick up their phone and answer whenever we just start bugging them at the end of the game. Right. Hey, can you get this yeah. guy to jump on a zoom, please? You know what I mean? Fancy you do a lot of that for us on field of the 68. I know you do a lot of that for your Big E stuff. Like if you like the coverage that your team gets, it's because you have SIDs that are yeah. willing to, right. to work with a bunch yeah. of idiots like us. So, um, credit to them. They don't get enough, uh, enough of a shout out. So I want to give them a shout out there. Last thing I want to say at the Purdue game. One thing that happened, I didn't realize this happens. Zach Eady will will go and do the press conference. He'll do, go do his media obligations. He'll come do whatever interview he needs to do on the court. He did it with us. And then there will be just a line of kids sitting standing in the front row. Literally it was it was around halfway around the entire court, the edge at Mackey Arena. And he walked through for an hour, signed every single autograph took every single picture and he does that every single game. I was blown away by that. Like, I I don't know how often you guys see that. That's not going to happen at a lot of high major programs. It does happen at Kentucky. We got to give Oscar Shibway a shout out there. He makes sure to sign every single autograph for every, at least get one for every single kid that's there. Right. There's a lot of times like they have a late game, a nine o'clock game on sec network. He's not going to get to everyone, but he will sign one for every single kid that's there. According to uh that's what TJ Baisner, uh, from their um, the guy that's in charge of all of that stuff. He that's what he says that he does every single game. He's out there, so credit to both of them. It's nice to see uh, young players understand the influence and the memories that that creates, right? Yes. It, yeah. If Zach, Eadie, if Zach and it's sh- fleeting. Yes. Yeah. But you create a fan for life, like yes, those did. those kids. Every kid that gets a picture with Zach Eadie is going to be a diehard Boilermaker fan for the rest of their life. What that does is it creates a legacy. It creates a culture. It creates an understanding that the next superstar is going to have that same, um, going to have to do that same kind of a thing, right? And it means that anytime that you graduate, if you're a Purdue player, you're going to have like a base to call on to be able to find a job, somebody to be able to set you up, someone to get your foot in the door at a realty company, someone to help you do this, do that. Like that's just, that's the way that it works. That That's the value that you get you're a star you go out there you let people see you you get to meet them you're just a nice guy you're going to be set for life in that community because they are going to love and adore you the way that they love and adore robbie Hummel, even though they have not given him a statue yet it's a shame really
2: well done by the way
1: that was awesome
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was a great piece and shout out to trevor
1: they cut the yeah together. trevor trevor i i the way that he was able to put that together and have it like flow and make sense and look good, because we were just like randomly doing things. We're like, oh fuck, let's let's fuck around and get a video over here. This will be funny if we do this. Also, shout out to the woman. they don't need a
2: statue. They don't need a statue of Hummel. They need a golden knee brace.
1: <laughs> one of the things he cut out was I asked the uh, the woman at the university bookstore one like she she had Hummel's back. She was not taking any of Goodman's shit. Like we we cut a lot. Yeah. Of, like, she she was like. You're not. Why are you talking about Robbie like that? We love Robbie here. <laughs> and Goodman was like, "Can you can you break a twenty? I only want to spend two dollars on that jersey." But I also asked her if they had a. The only time she broke, I asked her. She goes, "We have two signed jerseys." I was like, "Do you have any signed knee braces?" And that's when she kind of like looked and tried to give me a mad look, and then just started cracking up like this. Trevor you ever cut that part? Out? <laughs> I, was, I was pretty pretty proud of that one. Yeah. All that's right. Awesome. Listen. That's,
3: that's awesome. great. That's great. It looked like an amazing trip. Yeah, uh, it really did.
1: It was like the, the those are two of the those are two bu- bucket list arenas for people to go to. I've been to Assembly Hall before, um, which is awesome because of the history around it. I think that Mackey is a better venue to watch a game. Better seats, it's louder. The student section is a little bit more coordinated, but I mean, you gotta you have to go to both of them. You got to get there yeah. at some point. All right, listen, I've kept you guys long enough. We always try to do these things in about an hour and we always end up going about an hour and 15. That's just the way that it works on the DTF podcast. So for John Fanta, for CZ Bitcoin, my name is Rob Dawson. We'll see you
2: guys next (laughs) Monday.